0: This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys
1: on Dubai Eye 103.8.
2: Welcome to the Farmer's Kitchen podcast. I'm Poonam Verma filling in for Helen. The Michelin Guide Dubai is launching here in the UAE in June and I have a chat with the international director of the Michelin Guide. Also, Chef Reef Othman joins us. Not only is he into food, but he's also into fashion and he has 80 pairs of shoes more than his wife. We also talked to Spinneys. They're giving us some meal recipe ideas for uh, Iftar, with Ramadan just about to approach us. And also, Cafe Asan is Mark Lloyd's favourite Thai place, so I had to have a chat with them. Roberto's is celebrating their 10th anniversary, and a brand-new caviar place has opened called 12 Chairs because it only has 12 chairs. This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
1: On Dubai Eye, 103.8.
2: So as mentioned on Tuesday, I was invited to the Museum of the Future for a special announcement. And I'm sure most of you know now that Dubai will be joining the Michelin Guide family. But what does that mean for Dubai? Well, the man in the know is no other than Gwendal Boulonek who is the international director of the Michelin Guides. I love my job, but I just think his job may be a little bit better than mine. Gwendal, bonjour. Welcome to the show.
1: Bonjour, Hello, everyone.
2: (laughs) Hello. Now, I did see you on Tuesday make this announcement. Uh, Have you left Dubai now?
1: Yes, I'm live from Paris.
2: Oh, Paris. Is that where you live?
1: I do, yes. And, you know, it's snowing in Paris right now.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. So, you've gone from one extreme weather condition to the next.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you it was a a kind of a shock.
2: (laughs) Well, you're in the place where the best restaurants are, I have to say that, because isn't it true that France has the most Michelin restaurants in the world?
1: Let's say that uh, uh, France is just following Japan today uh, in terms of the numbers of stars. Yeah. But in terms of number of restaurants, uh, it's uh, France that has... uh, more than any other countries in the world.
2: Well, you see, I don't deny that because I have eaten at some incredible French restaurants. They're like some of the best in France. And then a few opened in my hometown in Birmingham. And I used to go almost every two weeks. I just love French food when it's done really well. Now, um, the Michelin Guide, it currently covers... 36 culinary destinations across North America, South America, Asia Pacific, and Europe. So why did you cho- you and your team choose Dubai for the next venture?
1: You know, the inspectors of the Michelin Guide are always, you know, on the ground, everywhere in the field, uh, you know, to scout uh, uh, new culinary destinations. Yeah. And uh, we have been in Dubai for more than five years, you know, to monitor the evolution of the culinary landscape and uh, Based uh, on the number of restaurants, on the increasing quality of the restaurants, of the local dynamic and also the culinary potential of Mm. Dubai over the coming years, we decided to move forward. And that's the reason why in June we will announce and reveal the very first selection in Dubai.
2: Is there a, is there a number like is there ten three four five like is there a set number or have you do you already know you and your inspectors you've done it you know what you're gonna put out there?
1: Oh, we still don't know because oh. uh, at the time we speak, inspectors are still on the ground. You know to yeah. make sure they left the uh, no stone unturned. So uh, we still have uh, sometimes ahead of us before clothing and uh, finalizing this very first Michelin Guide selection for Dubai.
2: So, every Friday, all we do is talk to chefs and talk about food. Every chef I've had on today is so excited about this. And they're all saying they need to step up their game. They want to be part of this Michelin Guide. Is this guide for restaurants only or also for chefs? Will you be giving them some stars as well?
1: No, definitely the Michelin uh, Guide recommendations and stars are an indication ultimately made for the food lovers. OK. Uh, and that the reason why the star is not given to a chef, yeah. but rather to a restaurant yeah. and a team working in a specific place.
2: So is that when they say, a f- so if they say a five-star Michelin chef, does that mean the restaurants had the star, not the chef?
1: So, you know, for the star with Michelin, we just have up to three. Uh, but uh, the, the, it's definitely, the star goes to the restaurants and the <gasps> restaurant team. But then, obviously, you know, the chef at the Spokespersons at the one to drive the teams at the drive to are the one driving the creativity is, of course, entitled to say, Okay, I'm working in the star restaurants, I'm leading a Michelin star
2: restaurant. I didn't know that, that's so interesting. Okay, now we all know that you're saying there's three stars, that's the maximum. Can you explain what one, two, and three star all mean? Okay.
1: Having a star not only means that uh, your restaurants is uh, part of the best in the country, but yeah. one of the best in the world. Uh, I mean by that, that uh, with for the mission guide, uh, at the mission guide, we have a very consistent approach to uh, ensure that one star in New York is worth one star in Paris, Tokyo, or Dubai. So we have a consistent approach worldwide. Mm. And the star is awarded only based on the quality of the food, mm. following Five criterias.
2: So hang on a minute. So I'm just going to break it down for the average person. Is one star meaning it's a really good restaurant? Is two star meaning it's a really, really good restaurant? And three star means it's a really, really, really good restaurant. Like what what is the difference between the three stars?
1: That basically, you know, just being listed within the Michelin Guide is already an achievement because that means that you are one of the best restaurants in the destinations. Being awarded one star is really an very high quality restaurants. Mm. Two star is one step uh, beyond and three star is definitely you know the ultimate culinary accolade in uh, the mission guide definition said it's uh, worth a special a special trip.
2: Is it kind of like um, in hospitality and gastronomy is it like the equivalent to the Oscars receiving a star?
1: You know m- m- maybe and uh, again the, the, the star is an indication for the food lovers. And uh, towards the Star or inspectors, look at always at the same criteria. Mm. It's not about the surrounding, it's not about the decor, it's really about what is on the plate, based on the five criteria that are quite universal. Mm. The quality of the product, the mastery of cooking techniques, the harmony and balance in flavors, the personality of the chef as expressed on the plate, and the consistency, you know, over time and throughout the menu as a whole.
2: How, how many Michelin inspectors are there in total roaming around the world test tasting these restaurants secretly?
1: Oh, that's part of the secret recipe. <laughs> so I won't share the number. What I can tell you is yeah. that, uh, you know, the inspectors are really part of one single team. Yeah. You know, it's a really a, a closed network. Uh, they are working only fort michelin i mean by that at a full-time job mm. and today we have more than 15 different nationalities of inspectors mm. making our international team
2: okay stay where you are because i might apply for this job as a michelin inspector i need to know what i need to do You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
3: Only on
1: Dubai Eye
2: 103.8. And right now I'm in conversation with the international director of the Michelin Guide because it is coming to Dubai.
1: Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
2: So let me ask you, um, Gwendol, to become a Michelin Guide inspector, what qualifications do you actually need?
1: The ore inspectors have, uh, on average, uh, 10 years uh, background working uh, in the industry. So I Mm -hmm. mean, in Mm restaurants, they have a real passion for food and, of course, are ready to travel the world. But to be part of uh, the, let's say, team of of famously anonymous inspectors, you need to be ready not only to travel the world for good food, but to work undercover. (laughs) Anonymity is key for us because it's a way to ensure that we are absolutely independent, in our judgment, and that we can, you know, uh, fairly assess the restaurants like regular customers.
2: You see, so this is the thing, right? You know, These days, everyone goes to restaurants and they can take photos on the camera and it just looks normal. But if, if I'm an inspector, how do you do it without looking like you're taking a bite, making notes? You're taking a bite. You know, how do you do that? You can't remember it all, can you? The taste, the texture, the music, the ambiance, the chef.
1: But, you know, they no they can do it. And that's part of the training ah. because uh, after joining the Mission Guide inspectors team, uh, you spend at least uh, three years on the ground hitting more than 300 meals a year.
2: Oh, you know, my goodness. To be goodness.
1: qualified as an inspector.
2: So have you been through this? I'm assuming you've been an inspector even though you're the international director now.
1: But I, uh, of course, I, I had some training within uh, within Michelin because I joined, you know, the Michelin Guide more than seventeen years ago. But today, you know, I'm the face of the Michelin Guide. Yeah. I am known, so I'm not an inspector uh, today. And uh, what is important is uh, within uh, to 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 make to make decision uh, w- within the guide. It's all about teamwork. Mm. I, Decisions are made based on the different uh, experience on the field of the inspectors. So it's a collective decision. It is never a one-man show, and the same inspectors mm-hmm. is never going twice to the same place.
2: Oh, that's oh my! I, the chefs must be on their toes all the time, thinking: Could it be this? Could this be an inspector now that we have it in Dubai? Uh, do they feel any pressure? Have you noticed that any time?
1: Well. Of course, sometimes they, they they can feel you know some uh, you know some kind of uh, emulation.
3: Yeah. But what
1: is important is uh, that really the the guide is working for for the customer to give to give ah. the the best recommendation as yeah. possible. Yeah. But then, of course, it's an additional trigger for for the chef to to you know to, to push to reach the next level to be good every day because you know to to get the mission star every year. You have to earn it yes. every year. Yeah, You cannot take it for granted.
2: Yeah, you could just go. And it's hard to stay at the top all the time. It really is. But I suppose if you've achieved it once, that's an accolade anyway. Um, so with this Michelin guide, um, in my head, and I could be totally wrong here, I always thought it was associated with only fine dining restaurants. Is this true? Because in Dubai, we have some amazing small independent cafes too. Would they be considered...
1: You know, within the Mission Guide selection, you have a wide range of different type of restaurants, mm. you know, very casual eateries, uh- High, uh, high-end high fine-dining restaurants mm. and uh, in some of our guide you have street food as well in Spain you have tapas bar you know it's all about the quality of the food regardless uh, of the you know the type of cuisine and again uh, it's not depending on the settings mm. it's just about quality of food what is on the plate.
2: So what I mean how many times have you been to Dubai?
1: Many times I'm uh, I'm concerned and uh, our inspectors have been on the field in Dubai for more than five years now.
2: Oh, that's so interesting. I'm going to go to restaurants now and just watch who is looking dodgy in a restaurant and eating on their own. So what do you think just generally of the gastronomy here, the cuisines, the food, the choice of restaurants?
1: But of course, in Dubai, uh, one of the trademark is of the the diversity of the food scene. Yes. you have so many dif- uh, different influences, so uh, that make it def- definitely very um, you know. Uh, passionate uh, uh, for our inspector, mm. but what is important is also the vibrancy, the the dynamic, and the, the potential of Dubai uh, in in the coming years. And we definitely think that the future of the culinary scene uh, of Dubai looks very bright.
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's amazing restaurants here and some incredible chefs, and it continuously grows and grows. I don't even know how many thousands there are. They did say it on the stage when you were there, and I can't, I can't actually remember, but. Every, every time I'm, you know, I have family and friends here, they'll say, let's go to a restaurant. I just type in new restaurant in Dubai and something else has opened or five restaurants have opened in a week. So, we, you know, we are very lucky. So um, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out and for coming to Dubai, making that announcement and uh, making us part of the Michelin Guide. Very, very kind of you. And um, I have a lot of experience in food. I've been eating since I was born. So if you need any application forms i will head i will give them to you whenever you need happy to be a private inspector for you okay
1: uh, i'm afraid you are a bit too famous for that
2: <laughs> oh yes you're right they'll recognize me oh, i'll i'll stick to my day job then thank you so much Gwendol. i really appreciate it
3: thank you good afternoon
2: okay bye-bye you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 chef Reef Othman. He's a Dubai-based chef from Singapore whose clever twists on Japanese cuisine have gained him many, 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 many accolades. Um, And he's even won the Chef's Choice Award in the inaugural MENA 50 Restaurants 2022 lineup. And he's coming up now. Chef Reef, how are you?
4: Very well, thank you for having me. How about you?
2: I'm, I'm, right? I'm really good. I need to taste your food. I've been reading about you. You're a busy, busy man. How many restaurants do you have here at the moment?
4: Uh, at the moment, I have a, uh, two. Um, one in Dawasu, the original, and one in the Tamak Market in Sugar Baha.
2: But you're a bit of an entrepreneur yourself because you're opening some more across the world, is that right?
4: Yeah, kind of. Uh, we just opened uh, recently uh, in Egypt, Cairo, uh, mm-hmm. franchise. And then this summer, we're looking at opening in Riyadh, in Saudi. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a few more things coming online. Uh, what is it? we um, just starting up uh, to do a Korean uh, barbecue um, restaurant down in uh, Business Bay, in so, Hotel.
2: So, what is your background? Where are you from?
4: Oh, I'm from Singapore, purely. Okay. Uh, written, born in, from Singapore.
2: And what does your food f- uh, uh, focus on? Like you were talking about Korean barbecue, do you deal with mainly Asian views and Korean, Singapore? Because I know Singapore's got a mixed bag of food as well.
4: Uh, yeah. Um, what is that? For the um, Korean barbecue uh, restaurant that I'm going to open up soon by um, end of the year, it's going to be focused more on on a Korean um, direction, I would say, but on more on unconventional. Which I always does have mm-hmm. uh, a bit of twisty, and there, not too formal, not too classic of Korean. Have a bit of twist of my own, and yeah, I think I think I think Korean food will be the next trend uh, as I can see now.
2: So when you when you say like um, you kind of a bit of fusion, and you're not too strict. Do you kind of make up a lot of recipes just by being adventurous and seeing what works?
4: Yeah, kind of. You know, I mean, uh, as 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 you know me by now, you know, I'm a bit. Um, not too focused on the traditional. I think at the end of the day, I need to make sure that the dishes that I created, uh, I have to make sure that it it, it, um, uh, uh, it suits to the Dubai market. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want it to be too traditional. I don't want it to be too too strong. I, I want to go in between and making sure that you know we have a balance of both well, we got the uh, LeBan and we have the European clientele, So, we have both of these, you know.
2: So, um, l- later on, we're going to be talking to um, the international director of the Michelin Guide. You know, the announcement that's come, that they're going to open, they're launching one here in Dubai. W- what are your thoughts on that as a chef and a restaurant owner?
4: Uh, well, look, I guess, a, uh, for myself, I think uh, it's great um, to put all of us, uh, restaurant chef, uh, to put up the game uh, and, and also focus on food service. Uh, I think these are the two main priorities that we need to look at. And, mm. and for, for, for myself, I think, I mean, I'm delighted. I'm very happy with the Mini 50 beds coming in town that really put ourselves in the map. And now with Mission Star coming on board, I think that also another like tick in the box that, wow, you know, we are part of, of the machine guide now you know I know I think think all of us all of us have to put ourselves on on, on the radar now
2: so yeah exactly and do you you ever get nervous as a chef or you know when you're in the restaurant if anyone's coming in to review it secretly because you do get that don't you those secret shoppers and people like that
4: yeah yeah. I, I, I mean definitely you know for sure I mean every chef does but I think at the end of the day, uh, what I want to do here is that, you know, uh, I would love to get Michelin star for sure. No, no, I mean, every chef would love to do that. But bottom line is I want to make sure that my chef enjoys what they're doing, cooking, myself. I don't want to put a lot of pressure and a lot of stress because at the end of the day, uh, you know, happy chef, happy food, happy customer, right? Well, it's true because if you're
2: not happy, the energy goes into the food, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, 100%. You know, if if you have some, oh, Michelin guys are, are here now and everybody stop what they're doing and, you know, you just focus on them. I mean, it's not fair, so, right? Yeah. But nevertheless, you know, but we will still always, like, you know, all right, men, let's aim for it, you know, let's do our best. You know, I want I want the boys and the team to, to have fun. That's all. That's the main focus,
2: right? Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, and, and talking about, I mean, you know, it, it's great to up your game because the Michelin Guide's coming, but I, I read the whole list of the awards and the accolades that you've won, which is incredible. Is there one that really stands out for you?
4: Uh, for Mikinsa uh, or for?
2: Just any award or any accolade that you've got or any, you know, recognition. Is there one that think you're really proud of?
4: I think I the think, you know, Mini Fifty Best uh, was really a, a big one for me. Uh, apart from the rest, uh, i have to be
3: honest,
4: mm. uh, to, to put myself in that map, and you know, to, uh, and then we, myself and my business partner, you know, we, uh, what is that, be done, we, we are like self-funded, you know, uh, with our own money, you know, we don't yeah. have any investors behind us.
3: Yeah. For
4: us to achieve through the pandemic and, you know, we didn't, we didn't fire any of our staff, you know, we even give bonus to our staff after we open oh. up. I think that really, that really, like, you know, uh, that award really, like, wow, you know, really true. I'm very happy, you know. It's like uh, all my all we have done. And it's like, you know, step on my back, you know, well done, reef you know, for, for all, all, the, uh, all the hustle, you know.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, chefs, I mean, you guys work so, so hard. Um, people don't even have a clue. And standing on your feet all day, how do you manage that? Oh, my God, that would just make me so tired. I'd be sitting on a high stool if I was a chef. I'm telling you right now. <laughs>
4: I think
5: at the end of the day, know, we get used to it, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're fine with that. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai
2: Eye 103.8. So I'm joined by uh, Chef Reith Orthman, and um, I wanted to ask you, um, you say, which I do love, actually, I've seen it on your little bio, you say that life is too short for ugly clothes, and as a result, you have also launched a new unconventional streetwear store. So are you a funky-dressed chef? Are you into your fashion?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean definitely, you know, um, I'm into my fashion, yeah. you know, I love to dress up, I want to look good, you know, uh and um my teenage life, uh, I've been always been playing skateboard, playing bicycle, going motocross. So I'm on that side of um on, on on that track. So having having said that, you know, I love to buy shoes. You know, I have about eighty pairs of shoes at home and I, I have to. Sorry, about sorry hang on a minute. Eighty
2: <laughs> pairs of shoes.
4: Yeah, yeah. So
2: are are you married?
4: Yeah, I'm married. Do you yes, have so more shoes are. than
2: your wife?
4: A hundred percent Oh sure, my yes.
2: goodness, this is amazing, <laughs> chef. You must be the only man who does in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, and yeah how, the what whole are room they? Full of my shoes. Are they all like streetwear trainers and that kind of stuff?
4: Yeah, yeah, I have a mix of all, you know, I have, uh, I have a few, I mean, a lot, I mean, I don't know, So, I have, have a few, I have 30, 30 pairs still in the box, you know, I have not even worn yet. You know? So there's 365
2: so days in a year, so, like, do you go every day to 80 and then start all over again?
4: Uh, kind of, though, I have this addictive, right, <laughs> so whenever I see, oh, this pair is like a limited edition, do have I'll get it, you know what I mean? I, I, so, you know, where
2: do you keep these? Do you have a separate apartment for these shoes?
4: Oh, we no. We have one room. Uh, I mean, purely just for my shoes.
2: Uh, someone needs to do a feature on you. I'm telling you, I think you've got more shoes than Mariah Carey. Seriously, that is crazy. <laughs> so, what kind of streetwear are you going to be selling, and where can we find it? Uh,
4: it's down in Awasa Vita, along Awasa Road. Yeah. Uh, it's called Soul Slide by Reef. Uh, it's a mix of a uh, shoes, a Jordans, Yeezys, uh, t-shirt, uh, like a. Uh, Supreme, uh, you got cows, you know. You got the fabric, the collector's items, yeah. and and yeah, all the all these sweet stuff, you know.
2: And is this stuff? And that... I think I think. It... Sorry, go ahead.
4: What do you mean? Go ahead. I think in Dubai uh, we are missing such uh, shops. Yeah.
3: You know, we have
4: a few in the market, but I think I just want to be part of it as well. I think uh, there's a room for it. A lot of uh, youngsters now wear such clothing.
2: I think we need that, you know. Do yeah. do you do do you uh, wear your streetwear and put it on Instagram with pictures of yourself too? Yeah. Can <laughs> can not? you can you post a picture for me and put take a picture and fit all eighty of your f- shoes in one Instagram post and just put it? Yeah, up? I'll
4: try to up everything. Yeah, no problem.
2: <laughs> you can just take a video. Yeah, don't worry, that's crazy, amazing. <laughs> all right then, and I hear you make trademark cakes. What are your trademark cakes? I haven't seen them.
4: Uh, what is that? The, um, the uh, reef roll.
2: Okay, it's what a, kind pa- of cake? It's the shape of a
4: toilet roll. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a shape of toilet roll that I did during the pandemic.
2: Okay. Remember oh, you those did the shape days, uh, of a toilet of roll? A toilet roll cake? Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't seen so it. That,
4: yeah, so that has been a very uh, successful uh, <laughs> cake and then throughout and the uh, year.
2: Did people like eating a toilet roll cake?
4: Yeah, it was fun, you know, uh, they look at it, they post it, you know, they, they make joke out of it, but, you know, when they have it, you know, say, wow, this is pretty nice cake. Yeah. So, yeah, and we have that, and also we have a banana cake, it looks like a pure banana, you know, but it's not, mm-hmm. like a Don Monte banana, but it doesn't look like. So, yeah, these are two uh, cakes that, that we did. Uh, pretty
2: much during the pandemic. You, so, san- yeah. you, you sound like a fun character, Chef. You really do. So if you had to describe yourself as a dish on a plate, what would be on that dish? What food would be there that describes you? A
4: uh, dish on a plate. The yeah.
2: yeah. If they said, yeah, that's Chef Reef on a plate, what would it be? What would be on that plate of yours?
4: Uh, I think I think colourful, crazy stuff. Um, maybe uh, a bit of beef, a bit of venison, a bit of rabbit.
2: Oh, my God, there's a whole mixed bag of meat there going on.
4: Yep, that's it.
2: You're no simple, man. You like a bit of everything, I'm assuming.
4: <laughs> yes, so, yes. It's crazy, crazy going, you know, on a different one. No, okay.
2: Oh, my goodness. I'm still getting over your 80 pairs of sneakers and trainers. It's just, it's just kind of shocking in a way. Um, <laughs> so what else is in the future for you? What is, you know, what's a still a big goal or a big dream that you have? I mean, you've achieved so much so far. What else is in the future? What would you love
4: Well, I guess a uh, main business partner we are aiming to uh, get with global uh, aspect uh, around around US and around Europe. Mm. I think that is the main focus. Uh, I think uh, we are in the process now uh, to look through into US and also in London and Mm. hopefully in different parts of Europe. Uh, I think that is the main goal for now. Um, What is that? In concurrently, we are looking into opening license uh, with in Dubai. Okay, so. Uh, that would be a big statement for us as well because we've always been, I mean, our first restaurant, uh Riff, Jessica Shaki, is in Dawa, so it's unlicensed. And a lot of my guests, they've really got to open a license plate, license plate. So I think now I think we are ready to open one and we found a nice place. It's still going to be like uh, around neighborhood. So I think that's the aim and that's the vision. Uh, and yeah, and of course, after Riff, uh, um brand has gone through, um, um uh, globally and it's been smooth riding. Uh, our next aim is to look into our new restaurant called Holy Cow, which is an unconventional corn barbecue.
2: I do love I think, that name. I, that, I love the name of the restaurant.
4: Yeah, so I think I think that will be the next uh, next push on, on that brand.
2: Okay, and where can... So yeah,
4: I have a few pipelines, which I, I'm not going to say for now, mm-hmm. that's the price. You
2: know what you so, can do, uh, Chef? I've got a great idea. Just open a restaurant and in that restaurant, just put all your, your sneakers and your trainers there. It would be like, you know, a, a fashion come restaurant that kind of thing. And have, yeah, a gla- have, a have a glass wall so no one can touch them, you know, because they're yours. <laughs> only, oh, you can, only you have the key to take a pair out every day for 80 days in a row. <laughs> 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 Listen, chef, it has been a pleasure. And I'm going to come and check out your restaurant. Thank Where you. can we find you on social media if we want to come and check out the food?
4: Oh, well, the, um, what is that? Rift Jabikushaki, located in Dawasa Mall, again, along Awasa Road, just before our sofa park.
2: All right. Thank you, Chef, and we will speak again soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. Now, with Ramadan around the corner, literally around the corner, uh, Tiffany Eslik, the creative and content manager at Spinney's, is here to get our taste buds ready for the occasion. Uh, how are you doing, Tiff? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. You have just got back from a lovely trip in Kenya. I know that because you were sending me some pictures of you and giraffes. <laughs> yes. Is this a work trip yeah. or was this like a chill-out trip?
5: Um, it was a work trip. So the giraffes were like a moment of chilling out. But um, the rest of the time we were actually visiting our growers um, for all our flowers as well as our baby vegetables and our avocados so and our herbs. So um, it was really fantastic. We shot a lot of video content there, um, full-on trip, but um, yeah, it was really, really great.
2: Oh, that's amazing. What a great job, I have to say, just going around yeah. local farms around the world and tasting and testing and filming. And yes, I'm anyway. getting covered in mud, I must yeah. say. I, did, I got caught in the rain and covered in mud, which was quite fun. Well, you know what, you're back to work now. I know you're not feeling too well, so thank you so much for joining us today. So with Ramadan mm. round the corner, I know you've got some great new product, uh, products and delicious meal solutions for Iftar. So let's go through some of them. What are you serving us today?
5: Yeah, so um, our new product development team have been really, really busy working on some fab meal solutions for Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start with the soups that we've got. Uh, we've developed four new soups, so two classics, um, an Arabic lentil and then a tomato and basil soup. Um, and everything's made with really wholesome ingredients. Um, and both of those recipes are you know, are classics. The lentil soup is quite simple. It's got lentils, cumin, a bit of lemon juice um, and some seasoning. Yes. And then the tomato and basil soup is probably, you know, I'd say just a classic soup, not uh, really for Ramadan, but it's a great soup. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that we've actually added carrot to the tomatoes, which I thought was really interesting when I was tasting it, because I don't usually do that when I'm making tomato soup. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a lovely fresh flavor. So there's those two. And then we've got a chunky Moroccan Herrera soup, which is one of my favorites. Um, that's got like all the spices in it, um, so like cinnamon, cumin, turmeric. It's got rice and peas and lentils, and usually it would have chicken um, or maybe lamb. But We've actually gone for a vegetarian version because we want it to be really inclusive. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we've got a curried butternut squash ginger soup um, that's got coconut in it as well and a little bit of a kick with some chili powder. So all four are great, you know, to sort of start iftar with. And um, I really can vouch for them. I tried them twice, and they're, they're fabulous.
2: I was, I was about to say, you can only speak after you've tested and tasted all these dishes, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> you, okay. <laughs> what, what have you been tasting? Tell us what else has been on your menu then.
5: Um, and then um, I'm going to, we've got some great lamb products so mm-hmm. there's a lamb shoulder which has got, um, it's made with our sort of secret shawarma spice mix mm-hmm. um, and pomegranate molasses so you've got that really tanginess from the pomegranate molasses mm-hmm. and this is, it comes sort of uh, marinated and all you have to do is unwrap it, pop it in the oven sort of fill up half your tray with some stock or some water and then slow cook it for three hours mm-hmm. and I promise you it just shreds and like cools apart and so wow. it's great if you want to have that with rice, if you want to put it on pizza um, you know, however you want to Enjoy that. A great show piece for Mm IFTA. And then there are these great lime and chili um, lamb kebabs. So it's using dried lime, Lumi, which is very popular here in. Um, and then some nice chili. And those are so easy. You can pop them on the barbecue, put them under the grill, you know, pan fry them if you want to. Yes. Um, um, yeah, so there's that. And then on the topic of kebabs, we also have some honey dukkah chicken kebabs. Mm. So dukkah, you know, comes from a r- different countries, but it's you know, really popular in Egypt. Um, and so we've got that. And then the honey makes it nice and sticky. You know, so those are really, really good. I hear and, you. Qu- sorry, mm. go ahead. Yeah, sorry, we've got so many products. And then uh, two more, we've got our rotisserie chicken special, which is a Bahara chicken. Um, someone uh, describes it as a cuddle when they put into it. Um, it's, that so <laughs> it's that good. It's that good. It's yeah. So that you can pick up at the deli. Um, and then uh, we've got a tangy sumac spatchcock chicken. So that's um, inspired by that um, Palestinian dish um, musakhan. Mm-hmm. So we've got sumac and olive oil and onions sort of, um, you know, marinade on that chicken. And the best way I would say is to grab one of those, cook it and then get a whole lot of pita bread um, or any kind of flatbread that you want place a whole bunch of cooked sort of caramelized onions on top, drizzle that in olive oil and then put the chicken on top and you've got an amazing um, piece. For like,
2: if you're all wondering how uh, Tiffany knows how to say this so well, it's because she is actually an amazing cook herself. I've not sampled it, <laughs> she's just told me. <laughs> but, yes, yeah. <laughs> but by the sounds of it, you know what you're doing. So what yeah, about... A um, obsessed. <laughs> what about tear and share dough balls? What's that?
5: Yeah, so we thought we'd have a bit of fun with that. Um, so we've got... Um, garlic and herb dough balls in the shape of a crescent and what you can do is enjoy that with some labneh or you could get a camembert and get a star cookie cutter and cut out a star and serve it like that um just something fun you know to include on your star table
2: mm, and we've got to go with the spinnies food staples for ramadan you look, you're talking dates we need the coffee all those kind of things so what are some of the stuff on your shelves this week
5: So yeah, we've got a really great range of staples which are, you know, sort of diverse and great for all sorts of um, iftar and suhoor cooking. Um, So we've got a huge range of dates. You know, we've got plain ones, ones that come stuffed with nuts or uh, dried fruit. um, And those will be sourced from Saudi Arabia. Uh, We've also got some fresh dates which come from Namibia. Mm. And I've actually been in that region where the farm is and it's so beautiful down there. Um, Then we've got... You know, a huge range of coffees as well, but there's a specific one which has got um, cardamom in it.
2: And, you know, um, it's a- funny, like, uh, being Indian, every morning I have a cardamom in my cup of tea with milk. It's just a normal thing for oh, me. Oh, Yeah, and, yeah I, and I can't yeah. not now. So, cardamom, at, you know, someone told me cardamom actually takes a bit of the bitterness away from coffee. That's why they put it in as well. Yeah, I heard that, actually. I, I really like it. I do, yeah, I Yeah, it do. does. Okay, okay and I we've got some, some black tea. You you cook me a meal, and I'll give you okay. some tea. <laughs> I don't think that's an equal balance, but there you go. What about your pure yeah. bu- pure black tea?
5: So, yes, um, our tea, um, we've got, again, a range, like chamomile green tea, but we've got a pure black tea, um, and that is grown in the Great Rift Valley in East Africa. Mm-hmm. Um and then we've also got a huge spice range. So that's coming from India, from Somalia, from Egypt, from Jordan, um, anything from like za'atar to dried limes or lemons, um, cardamom again. So yeah, really, you know, you just need to look for those orange bags in the store and that's the sweet spices. Um, and then uh, one thing that we're really proud of is our long grain basmati rice. Yeah. Um, this is grown in the foothills of the himalayas um and it's got it's really nutty flavor to it um and that is great for anything you know for biryani for makluba for makhboos um so yeah anything for ramadan and lastly some great olive oils we actually about to launch a new range with flavored olive oils um which will come in a few weeks but for now there's um mediterranean olive oils and there's an organic option and that those are coming from italy
2: you know, when it comes to oils, you you are going to be the expert. You'll you'll know this because you love cooking. You know, they say there are mm-hmm. certain oils that you shouldn't fry with. Like, you know, are you are frying an egg or something? Some are great, like natural, um, you know, extra virgin olive oil are great for salads. But sometimes you shouldn't fry with them. What are the ones that are good for frying, would you recommend?
5: So, yeah, it, it all comes to like, you know, that, that sort of heating point. I don't know the scientific, yeah. you know, explanation. But basically, you should avoid... I actually don't cook, like fry a lot with olive oil. I use that for finishing or for dressing. Um, or if I'm cooking something on quite a low heat, you know, like if I'm sauteing onions and I'll use olive oil. Yeah. But something like sesame oil um, or vegetable oil is really good for um, if you're doing like a wok, you know, if you've got a high heat. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it's really important to, to look out for that because you can, you know, you'll burn the oil, you'll burn whatever you're cooking in it and you're going to, you know, cause the smoke alarm to go off.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And what about some new products? What's coming out?
5: Yeah, so actually my team and I have been working on a wealth of products with the NPD team and, all, you know, all, everywhere we source products from, um, and, and we've been doing all the packaging, so it's been really, really busy. Um, but we've just launched um, a whole range of new milks. So we've got um, in different sizes, and what's exciting is it's sourced locally from mm-hmm. a farm in Elaine. So we've got full-fat and low-fat milks and 2-litre, 1-litre, and 500 mils. Yeah. Um, so look out for those. They're in bright blue and sort of like this, Pinky red packaging, which is quite cool. Um, and you know, actually, strangely, I have to admit, I had no idea that milks have like universal cap colours. I might sound incredibly blunt by saying this. Oh, no, no, well, say it, that
2: again. Well, they have what universal cap covers? Yeah. What does that so, like,
6: mean? Got, I'm, got, I must be blonde um, as well, then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, like semi
5: skimmed milk has a certain color for the cap that it should be. Or um, there's red for
2: uh, low fat and blue for full fat. I've seen that, Um, but uh, I didn't know it was a universal thing. Yes. Okay, good. So I'm not the only person. No, you're not the only silly one one right here now.
5: (laughs) Yeah, and everybody was like, yes, of course. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Because I was going to change all the cap colors when we (laughs) were designing the packaging. (laughs) Then I found out that's a big no no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So. Um, Yeah, I mean, we've also just redone all our Biltong packaging. Um, So it looks completely different. It's in sort of souped up new uh, packets, and that actually has helped with the keeping it more moist and the flavor. So it's the same recipe, but it actually tastes even better than it did. Um, So that's a great snack. And as a South African, I can definitely promote that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then a new range of honeys. So we've got acacia, orange blossom, um, a forest honey. Um, So yeah, they're all on shelves at the moment. And then, yeah, I just like, I think everyone should keep a lookout. We've got about, you know, at least 10 new things in the pipeline in the next few weeks.
2: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
3: Only on Dubai
1: Eye 103.8.
2: So we're back with uh, Tiffany from Spinneys. We've been going through the Ramadan list and all the new products and all the meal plans and some great ingredients you can use for Ramadan, which is literally about to start. Um, Tiff, I want to ask you a question. Now, um, Mm. the recent announcement about the Michelin Guide Dubai coming, what do you think about that? What do you think it will do to the region and food in general? Oh, I,
5: yeah, I'm super excited. You know, I remember a few years ago talking to someone about this, wondering if it's ever going to come. Um, I think it just really puts us on the map even more, you know, and we are, the UAE is such a popular destination, but it sort of cements that, you know, we have these great offerings, especially in the culinary field. Um, and if you think we've just had World 50 Best, and, you know, now we've got this, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see who gets us down who doesn't. Yeah. Um you know, I think we all have our favorites and, you know, um, we're all quite opinionated over here. Um, but no, I think it's it's really great and I can't wait to see the results.
2: Um, and, you know, you do, you have to taste everything at Spinney's before you obviously tell us. Do you ever hold, like, mm. t- taste testing workshops for your customers? Like, is that something yeah. you'd consider because i could come along as well?
5: I would absolutely consider that Um, I'll chat to the team at the moment we haven't
2: (laughs) we haven't done that but why not (laughs) because it it means you don't have to eat every day Tiff remember we were talking about this you keep getting food and you're like I can't keep eating this give it to the customers they'll do it for you do all the hard work for you
5: excellent plan it is an excellent
2: plan me and Helen will be there don't you worry and finally where's your next trip to
5: um, so actually in two weeks we're heading off to the UK um, we uh, have uh, for Spinny's food we have great um, British strawberry suppliers nice. so I'm going to visit three of our farms there um, as well as the Joseph Healer family who do all our Spinney's food cheese so um, we're going on quite an epic adventure across the UK and um, so I'm really, really looking
2: forward to that. Yeah, I used to go strawberry picking in England when I was a little kid. I'm little uh, blueberries or blackberries I used to go for, for them as well. They used to grow a lot mm. over there. I'm not sure now, but when I was younger, it was great growing in the countryside. Take your little basket.
5: Yes. And like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and
2: swing across <laughs> the countryside like Mary Poppins and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Tiffany, we'll have a lovely break. And thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. For the past year, all I kept hearing from Mark Lloyd was, oh, I went to Café Hassan again this weekend. And I'm like, why do you keep going to this place? Because it's the best Thai food in Dubai. So I was like, "Okay." So one day I actually called up when he said it and they were completely booked. It's like, OK. And then last week, I thought, well, if Mark is talking about them so much, I need to get this chef on, on Farmer's Kitchen to talk about the food. And she joins me now. Chef Nu, how are you doing? Hello. Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Oh, you have such a big fan with uh, Mark. I'm telling you. Is he there all the time? Does he bug oh. you? Yeah, he's. Is- <laughs> We always see him everywhere, all branches. <laughs> so, so, here's the thing yeah. he told me you've got his picture on the wall. Isn't that off putting yeah. for the diners? Why have you kept it there? <laughs> yeah,
6: be- yeah, because his photo also so nice. And oh. because that photo, he you know took that photo from Thailand in Thailand. Yes. So, we found that one. Oh my god, that you know, look like a king of Thailand. So, that's why you know, we put. His photo
2: on the wall. Well, I'm going to see that photo tonight because I can't wait to come over. Am I going to meet yeah. you tonight? Will I meet you tonight? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We'll, I will be there, yeah. We'll have to take a picture and then I'll put you can put mine on the wall. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, you can, I can put your photo next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I need to dress up yeah. now. Oh, dear. OK, because he says, perfect, mine's a mess today. All right, Chef, mm-hmm. let me hear a little bit about your story, because if this is true, you came to mm-hmm. D- to Dubai about 10 years ago and didn't know much Actually, English. Actually, 14. Oh, it's 14 now. I came 15 years ago, so almost the same time. And I heard yeah. you didn't know much English and you also didn't know how to cook. Is that true? yes. From wow. that
6: time, I don't know. I never because I never cook before. Usually, my mom, my dad, and brothers they're the one who cook for me. Okay, and when so I in Thailand, I don't need to cook. So let me That's ask why. you:
2: You just recently won an award three times in a year. What three times in a row? What was the award you just won?
6: Yeah, we just win. Uh, we won a out Award Best Thai. Yeah,
2: yeah. So. For someone who has never cooked, how have you just won this three times in a row? Did you watch YouTube? <laughs> did you go to a cooking class, or what did you do?: uh,
6: actually, effort um, when I came to Dubai, very difficult for me to find uh, Thai food, mm. you know and I for San also. the food that I eat you know so different from like Bangkok food or something. So I need to learn how to cook myself that time. So I just learned from YouTube. Wow. You, you learn know, from youtube over the time, uh, yeah, after year after the year you know getting i don't know how that thing come from and i just remember when i was very young because my mom teach me how to do but i just never cook i see she doing but i never cook myself when i in thailand so
2: when you started cooking on from youtube did you actually start <laughs> feeling passionate about it did you enjoy it yes I thought
6: that time I'd be, you know, someone like a chef or something, only myself, you know, <laughs> only myself in the kitchen. Aww. So I'm thinking, oh, why I can cook this one so good. And, you know, all my friends come, friend in Dubai, mm-hmm. came to my house yeah. and eating mm-hmm. them. And then all of them say, you were cooking so good. I said, oh, Lily, I learned from YouTube, you know.
2: I just check on YouTube what the ingredients and then I just cook. So yeah, how did, when, when did this idea of coming about opening a restaurant and did you even know how to open a restaurant?
6: <laughs> yes. So when we first opened the restaurant, because I have no idea, you mm. know, for commercial kitchen and all the how to open gas or anything like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I just decided, you know, one day, because I got, um, I, after I cooking a lot at home, you know, selling to Thai people in the spa, and I got a lot of customers, yeah. too much customer, and I cannot handle that one alone in my kitchen. Right. So I decided to open the restaurant, but I have no idea, you know, what commercial restaurant looks yeah. like, or so I have to decide everything, where to put gas, everything, but with the zero experience.
2: So... So what what, what, mm. what makes your Thai food so special that Mark keeps going back again and again and again?
6: Mm, I thought because um, I do everything myself also, you know, all the ingredients, all the sauce, you know, we did not buy from wow. the jar or anything like this. You so everything, I, I make it, you know, by myself. All I- the tom yum paste, yeah. thai sauce, anything
2: we make ourselves. You're
3: listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only
1: on Dubai Eye 103.8.
2: Café Asan, according to Mark, it's his favourite Thai place. And we have Chef Nu from the café here with us. Uh, I want Mark sent me a message. I asked him, I said, why do you like this place so much? He goes there almost every other weekend, bugs them, has his picture on their wall. I'm going tonight to get my picture on their wall. And this is what he had to say.
1: So the reason I love Café Esan quite simply is it's the only restaurant in Dubai that's got my picture on the wall. (laughs) I love their cuisine. I love the people. I love the service. It's informal. I love the cutlery, pat-tie to die for. Curry's just the best I've ever had. And to the owners, you are just the best. Just keep doing what you're doing, guys. And please open a branch in Rashidia that I can go to just round the corner from
2: me. What do you think of that, Chef New? you going to open another Thank branch, you. another branch in Russia there for, just for Mark Lloyd? <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, I thought uh, I'm not sure, that's why, yeah. Uh, because even uh, at the moment we are going to, you know, open another one also, the first one in JVC. So this one coming up this year
2: also. So how many do so, you have? Do you have two right now?
6: Uh, actually, we got three at the moment, another one in Rive Market. So open in the weekend only at the moment. And where are the yeah. other?
2: Where are the other two?
6: Another two, the one in uh, JLT Cluster B. Yeah. And another one, um, JLT as well, Cluster P Amada.
2: Okay, being, well that that's that where with that's where I'm I'm going to be meeting what, you tonight, right? We're going to yeah, say hi yeah. to each other. So, are you yeah. are you quite shocked as to how far you've come, especially as someone who isn't a trained chef and you've you've won these awards three years in a row? Oh,
6: that one, I don't know how. I always thinking, even now, you know, like a shock. So I didn't know how that one come well, so more.
2: Um, uh, well, I don't expect anything about this. Well, you obviously are a natural cook. I mean, you must have a great great palate to see what, you know, kind of taste it. someone's just texted me saying what's the name of the restaurant, it's called Cafe Asan, I-S-A-N. Check it out on Instagram. Uh, Mark Lloyd's favorite Thai place in the world, apparently, more than Thailand, I think. Um, Did you grow up on a farm? Is that right? Yes. So do, what would do you were used to having just food like you know, farm to table, very natural organic food. Is so I'm assuming your food is very similar to that, which is why you make everything from fresh.
6: Yes. Yeah, because my background also, you know, I working in the farm for when life I super small, like four or five years old. Mm. I just asked my mom what you know, what age that, you know, I in the farm. So she said like three, four years, I already be there. So helping mom picking all vegetables so i know all the herbs all the different smell all the different things so yeah. i think that's very really important also because uh, you know in my food we use all many so many different uh, herbs and ingredients so i think that one just natural for me you know to pick up something put together or something like this just by natural law.
2: I don't know also. Well, Nobody teach me, but I just I th- I just I, know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think you're a natural. We don't have to overthink that. You know, one thing yeah. was surprised me when I went to Thailand. So I'm Indian. I grew up with a, gre- with a green chili in my mouth. It's very normal to uh-huh. me. So when I went yeah. to Thailand, I <laughs> mm-hmm. was blown away. You guys use yeah. so many chilies. Even if I say mild, yeah. there's probably five yeah. in there. That, I yeah. never knew your food was spicier than us, or is it to do with the chilies that you use? Because mm. you, what, what chilies that? do you use? What color? Red mainly? No, yeah, red, red, red and green. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, use, we use green mainly. Are red more spicy? Yeah. The red more spicy and different chili
6: also. Yeah, like you know the Indian chili, Thai chili, even yes. a Thai green chili, they're different format, uh, you know Thai uh, the Indian green curry, uh, green uh, chili. So what are so different spice.
2: Yeah, what dishes should I be picking tonight when I come over? Is there anything your speciality that you said we should definitely try? Papaya salad. What's in that?
6: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, the papaya the salad. The papaya salad, you know, like, very refreshing and fresh. Yeah. We cook, you know, one by one every dish. Wow! And how so, long do yeah. you how
2: long do you spend in that restaurant? Are you there every single day?
6: Yeah, I there every day. Yeah. So I just going around. At the moment, I in the rice right market.
2: Yeah.
6: But uh, tonight I will, I will go to the. Cluster pea, mm. yeah, and then we so will I meet. I just go all the branches.
2: Well, yeah. I, well, I am. I'm so um, happy. Mark Lloyd told me about you, and I love your story. And I think it should encourage other people. I mean, she's not a trained chef. Didn't even know how to speak English. She's got one of the best restaurants mm. at the moment. Won three times, three years in a row. Uh, was it the mm-hmm. Time Out Awards? Yes, yes Time Out award. best Thai restaurant.
6: Well, oh, actually, we won four.
2: Oh, you won, out, I won four. I'm, I bow my head yes. down. You, you're just the yeah. best. Well, I'm going to taste, ta- taste it tonight and I will report mm-hmm. back to everybody. And I'm really looking forward to meeting you. And I wish you mm-hmm. all the best. And I'll see you around six o'clock, yes? You too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. So about three weeks ago I had an invite um, to a restaurant which I've never been to in diFC called Roberto's um, and I was like I've never been there I've heard of it I didn't know it was 10 years old and when I uh, did a turn up um, there was a very intimate beautiful um, you know setting outside probably about 15 20 people Max there was a band next to me playing and singing old songs it was so cool and Every time a dish, we got ten dishes served, and every time a dish was served, the chef, who is the head chef Danilo Ovalle, he would explain what he is, and he is with me right now. Hello, Chef Danilo, how are you doing?
7: Hello, hello, ciao, good afternoon. Ciao,
2: ciao, ciao Bella. <laughs> 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 okay, how are you?
7: Fantastic today. Thank you so much. H- what I about you?
2: I'm very good. I haven't disturbed you during any kind of rush hour at the restaurant, have I?
7: No problem. No problem.
2: So you sound so relaxed for a chef. You, you, I met you, but you seemed very young. Or do you just look young for a chef, head chef? I
7: think I just look because I'm thirty-four. Thirty-four. <laughs> Soon 34. That, you know what?
2: <laughs> that is still quite young, though. I, I do think that's still quite young to be, you know, a head chef at such a, you know, such a well-known, uh, reputable <laughs> restaurant like Roberto's. Um, are we went. Let's go through some of the menu. I know that we had a bit of a tasting menu, and on that, um table we tried some foie gras we had some sea bass yeah. one of my favorite things and this is an idea if you do it i'm happy to take five percent of royalties you know those <laughs> rice crisps you did with fennel
7: yes oh
2: rice. my yes. god you need to a... bag those up like a packet <clears throat> of crisps and get them out there i'm sure spinnies would buy them they were to die for what what made <laughs> them so flavorable
7: so, actually, this is our, uh, our Amos Bush. It's actually um, um, plain rice cooked mm. uh, for a long time, and then we blend. Uh, when we have this creamy made from the starch of the rice, uh, we are uh, adding some uh, uh, curry, uh, some salt, and everything. Then we make it dry. We stand on the, and we make it dry. When it became dry, it's ready to be fried. And uh, after fried, it became very crispy, very crunchy. We just need to add some. Uh, a um, fantasy powder, some uh, citrus gel, and
2: that's it. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, your ingredients are so fresh because I could taste every single flavor. Now, <laughs> the one thing that really stood out as well, I mean, it all stood out, to be honest with you. They were so good. But one thing that was very unique is they served, well, you served us, pistachio ice cream, and then <laughs> they poured olive oil over my ice cream. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah.
7: it looks weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, now tell everybody how that... Um, that dish came about because it was an accident, right?
7: Yeah, actually it was an accident. Um, When we talked about this dish, we we want to give some importance to the ice cream. Normally the ice cream in Italy is served on the side. It's not the main part of the dessert. But in this way, we want to serve the real pistachio. So we found the best pistachio uh, and then suddenly one day it falls down on the pasta, a bottle of uh, olive oil, the one we are using, yeah. and uh, it fall down on the ice cream. But of course we are a chef, so we are trying everything. <laughs> so, so we just tried and it was wow! It's perfectly matching our pistachio ice cream. So from that moment we start uh, continue to to serve with the ice cream and the oil, of course. So is it's, uh, the balance for the uh, sweet and the acidity of the oil is giving. Uh, uh, very nice touch.
2: Yeah, and and it's kind of like they explained it like a buttery kind of touch because it's not it's not normal um, oil. What kind of olive oil is it?
7: It's uh, the Sicilian one. Uh, for that is acid is matching very well, so it's very we are, we are using only for this plate. This olive oil for nothing else.
2: Yes. Yeah, so next time, get some Sicilian olive oil, pour it over your ice cream, and just. Uh enjoy it it sounds weird but it, it actually tasted good now um this was my first time ever to roberto's and it was a weekday we came it was jam packed uh, has it always been so popular
7: um, actually you know we are always trying to give uh, the best uh, uh, service to our guests and um, i think uh, the guests uh, understand that for that they are coming back we, we really are busy but uh, we're happy to make uh, a lot of guests. So this is the secret, I think. Uh, the continue to give uh, our service, our really Roberto service, Mm. And I think uh, the the guests understand
2: that. I know, I mean, I'm going to give a secret away. And and the manager who gave the secret away on the table, he can't catch me. I'm in the studio, so um, he won't. (laughs) I'll be fine. But I know you get a lot of well-known people there. need to tell us a story that Jennifer Lopez turned up there. Um, you, You know, you get a lot of members of the royal family and everything like that. So your food has... I mean, it's gained such popularity. What kind of food is, do you focus on now? Obviously, you're Italian, but is there, a twi- is there a twist to it? Is there something different to it? Because, you know, in most <coughs> the average person who is an Italian thinks pa- pasta and pizza, but it was so much yeah. more that night.
7: No, absolutely. Of course, of course. Uh, we are Italian, but of course our food, since we are in Dubai, then international city, mm. is matching with some, uh, let's say, Asian ingredients. I, I also like to play with some Italian uh, Asian ingredients. Uh, I mean, so easy to find here in Dubai, for that uh, we some acidity, especially some fruit uh, or some seaweed uh, we are using from the uh, Asian side. And I think it's matching very well with Italian uh, food. Uh, this is one of the things which I, I like. Maybe for that, uh, even in, uh, in our lunch, uh, of course, it's not a pure uh, Italian, yeah. but uh, it's uh, kind of matching with yeah. some uh, flavor, Asian flavor. Maybe for that they, they like it, they don't find only Italian oil, Italian food.
2: Yeah. And um, I um, when we had the sea bass, I heard that it was from ah. Europe. So do you source a lot of your products specifically uh, from certain areas of the world? And not just Italy, I'm assuming, or the Mediterranean?
7: Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, we, we select our uh, our food. Uh, we are collaborating with the many suppliers. The, actually, the sea bass was coming from the uh, from Mediterranean. And uh, was very fresh, and uh, we just found this uh, supply, which sent to us, uh, an amazing product. While the sea bass just catch, and um, our could taste was amazing. I believe so. So it was a very
2: yeah
7: soft and and tasty. Yeah, yes.
2: it was so it was so good. <coughs> um, so what else is going to be on this menu? Like, have you come up with? Can you give us a few surprise dishes that people? I mean, I tasted some of them. Uh, what are some of the new ones that you think people really enjoy that you've introduced?
7: Uh, of course, one of our best, and uh, actually also for me, is the octopus. Mm. Uh, with our dishes, the octopus is um, uh, actually slow cooked and then it's grilled mm. to have the crispy skin outside, but very smooth and very tender inside. Mm. And uh, we just serve it with some uh, uh, artichoke and our Italian cacio pepe sauce. So the salty, the, the 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 acidity from the lemon we are giving. Is completely make a very roundy uh, flavor on on this dish. So I think uh, this is the one uh, most uh, appreciated from our guests, uh, which I like to cook as well, and I like to suggest.
2: So how how often are you at this restaurant? Are you there five days five days a week, seven days a week?
7: It depends. Normally we're having two days off, but it depends from the business. We we never stop. So. It's actually our passion, uh, From I think, from the chef to to stay on the restaurant, actually. So the reason I'm so, asking you
2: is as a chef, yes. let, let's say we all go to work and then we have a lunch break. Do you have okay. a lunch break? Because when I'm cooking in the kitchen, I don't get hungry because I'm continuously test tasting everything. Is, is that what it's like for you? Or do you actually get time to sit down and put your feet up and say, this is my lunch no, break?
7: No, no. Of course, we have, we have uh, the, the breakfast and the dinner, but uh, before the service. And actually in quite a rash uh, way. (laughs) That's what (laughs) I was thinking.
2: You can't enjoy it because you're always rushing around, I suppose.
7: No, actually because I uh, will be very fat otherwise I eat every time I'm sleeping. Every time I eat in all day, so it's enough. <laughs> yeah,
2: leave it to the diners. We'll just get fat for you, don't worry. What, what's, I'm asking everybody today because um, after you I'm going to be talking to the international director of the Michelin Guide which is being launched here in uh-huh. Dubai. Yes, wow. he is coming on. What are your thoughts on this? Does this excite you as a chef?
7: Yeah, extremely. I'm very happy. I think uh, the mission is coming in the right moment of the city, uh, Dubai really deserves uh, this attention, especially in the um, hospitality sector. Because uh, we really grow. I think really Dubai, uh, I mean, I'm uh, since two years in Dubai, but I saw really a lot of change uh, in the city. Hmm. And uh, this will be help to the, the restaurant to grow up, uh, to push themselves. Uh, and so this is I'm extremely happy about that, and of course we will fight for it so 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 <laughs> I'm joking, you, I hope
2: no no, no, so if you have to like kind of step up your game, what is it different that you have to do because I do know they come in secretly, don't they, and they observe everything, or do you think you're doing everything great, and you'll be fine?
7: No, no, we just try to to make everything great uh, uh, of course, uh, we don't try to to understand if they are in the restaurant, they are coming yeah. or when. But we are just trying to always deliver our best.
3: Yeah. And
7: uh, like I told you, I think they will understand, and I hope they will uh, um, understand that and they give us just it. Mm. But we'll not have uh, any other plans or or something um, to do, to check them. No, 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 no. If they will come, they will give us a uh, sign like that. Uh, I mean. Uh, we really deserve
2: it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was a beautiful service. It was beautiful food, and um, I know, and I really appreciate you actually coming out and explaining every single dish. Were you oh, cooking you. at the same time and coming to speak to us? Is that what was going on?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I I try to organise myself so actually, you, <laughs> even in a busy operation.
1: Yes,
2: you, you must have <laughs> slept well that night because that must have been very tiring for you. <laughs>
1: Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I
2: 103.8. So, Chef Danilo, where did you grow up in Italy?
7: I'm from the uh, north of Italy in Piedmont in a small village. It's called, it's called Alba.
2: Alba? Oh, and where is that near to a big city? Give me the location I do. Uh, uh
7: Torino, yes. uh, Milan. Yeah, Milan. Yeah, yeah.
2: so one of.
7: For the white truffle. W-
2: so, the, the food in the north and the south, is it quite different?
7: Of course, of course. Uh, The majority of our food was, uh, let's say, meaty. Mm. And, of course, uh, on the south, there is more fish, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So, when I, I mean, obviously, I grew up in England, and I used to go to Italy a lot because it it wasn't far. Mm -hmm. And it it is ultimately, I think, one of my favorite European countries ever. It just truly is. But my favorite place in the whole of Italy, and I've traveled quite a bit, was the Amalfi Coast. Have you Ah, been there?
7: I've been there uh, once. And I, I actually, I'm in love. It's very nice, very nice. And uh, the food there is is amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. I
3: know.
7: Uh, even the, the, the simple product which they had is, is fantastic. From the simple tomato yeah. uh, of the fish, of course, uh, is uh, fantastic. I lemon, I just mentioned. Oh, the lemons.
2: <laughs> you know, whenever you'd walk in the street, all you could smell was lemon in the air. It was, oh my Everywhere. goodness. Oh, I want to go back now. (laughs) Why am I talking about this? Right, so who first inspired you to start cooking? Was it your grandma, your mom, your dad?
7: Uh, Ah, funny story. Actually, uh I started to to choose hospitality because my dad had a cafe in in the place in a village where I, I grew up. Yeah. And then of course I started to say let's let's continue to do this job. But then uh, when I I started to study I understand I was more in love of the food. Mm. The, the 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 things to change the food, the technique, the the textures, the flavor and to make the happy the people by cooking. I, then for that, for these things, I choose the, to be a chef.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and do you still love it? Do you still love being a chef? No matter, absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely love it. What is your yeah, What's your favorite dish on on the menu at Roberto's that we should all try? You said the octopus. That was. Is that your favorite uh, dish?
7: Yeah, yeah. This is the octopus. But uh, we just started with uh, with a new dishes. Actually, it's called in raviolone. Mm-hmm. It's uh, actually a giant raviolo stuffed with uh, with burrata and uh, papal pomodoro. <sighs> So there is two different uh, stuff inside, and we are serving, of course, with uh, light tomato sauce. And I think this is, is very uh, stunning dishes. I really love to cook, to serve, and uh, I think uh, it will be soon our signature dishes.
2: Yeah burrata is my weak link it's my weak <laughs> point i can i can eat that i can sleep on it anything it's just too good it really it's like a pillow it's like a fluffy pillow and i just want to sleep on it burrata. <laughs> exactly so um i want to ask you what dish reminds you of your childhood and if you had to choose that to eat every day what would it be
7: Every day, every day. Okay. I really love to eat every know, Every day, no, because it's quite heavy. But for me, the Vitello Tonato is a very common dish in my place. It's actually a, a slow-cooked veal and then roasted, mm-hmm. tiny-sliced, and there is some mayonnaise with some tuna mm-hmm. uh, inside. So it's a combination of fish and meat, but it's so lovely good. and. Uh, I grew up actually with this uh, with this dish yeah. but I cannot of course eat every day. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's too heavy. It's too heavy. Well I'm looking yeah, kind I'm, of. I'm looking forward to coming back again because I like the way that you guys accidentally created a dish uh with the uh, olive oil over the pistachio ice cream. <laughs> I'm just hoping that, you know, when I if I walk through the kitchen maybe I could knock a few things over and we could you know, anything could of happen. Course. We could test of taste course. anything, you know. Yes. Okay, well, it's been lovely having you on the show. And thank you again for serving us such a lovely meal.
7: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right.
2: Have a lovely
7: day. Ciao.
2: Ciao. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. So, 12 Chairs Caviar Bar has just opened at the SLS Dubai. With me now is Chef Claudia Cardoso. Chef, the first thing I have to ask you, which I'm sure you get asked all the time, are there only 12 chairs there?
0: 12 chairs. If we remove one, I mean, they will become 11, but I think that is the point.
2: So there are 12 chairs, just 12 chairs. <laughs> is that because the way the caviar bar was built, you ran out of marble or wood and then only 12 could fit? Is that how it worked? Yes,
0: I, I think it, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I don't think that was the case. I mean, it's it's a brand that exists in the US. I know, so
2: often, um, I'm joking. Oh, so, yeah,
0: it's it's always been around the number 12. yeah. Uh, and yeah, literally twelve chairs around the counter. Um, it fits only twelve.
2: So, what exactly? To those who don't know, I mean, I've done my research, but what exactly is caviar? Where does it come from?
0: Sure. So, I mean, with uh, with caviar and and with twelve chairs, it's all about the educational part around caviar. So, caviar is very popular in Russia. It comes from a fish named sturgeon. It's also very popular in the waters uh, around Iran. Um, There is obviously then uh, different productions all around the world that take the fish and try to replicate the same water, same feeding uh, to achieve the caviar. And then the caviar itself, the eggs of the sturgeon, uh, Mm -hmm. depend on the size of the fish and the longevity of the fish. So it can be a fish up to 12, 18, 20 years. Uh, And then the eggs are taken from the fish and then they're pressed with uh, salt um, and yeah, and then you have caviar and it's really expensive.
2: Yeah, let's talk about this. Why is, I love the way you just said that. Yeah, and then you just have caviar and it's really expensive. Okay, yeah, that's the because, end.
0: I mean, if when we're when we are growing, for example, tomatoes,
2: yeah.
3: after
0: three to six months, you can collect them, sell them. With uh, caviar, you have to feed the fish for over a period of time, which uh, usually is quite lengthy. Uh, And then you have to still put it in salt, in a solution of salt and water for another period. Um, And all that process, because of the way you feed, the way Mm. you have to maintain those conditions and all the people that require for that production makes it uh, expensive. And it's also a product that is not uh, of easy access and not really easy to obtain. Uh, So that makes it uh, go to a price point that sometimes can really be outrageous.
2: You know with all the issues people are talking about with the, with the oceans and the microplastics, has that affected mm-hmm. the supply? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean that that definitely has uh, an impact. Um, usually they are in the sea or in the rivers a river mouth. Um, a lot of different productions do it um, in pools mm-hmm. that replicate again the same conditions they would find. But definitely I mean every fish, even uh, human beings are, are being uh lately seen in their blood microplastics so i think it's affecting everyone um and i wouldn't say that it wouldn't be any different with the sturgeon i think the only difference is sturgeon it's very rare the case that certain funds would have um the meat being utilized mm. so most of the times it wouldn't come to the point that you would find them in the eggs uh, but definitely if you're using the flesh uh, that nowadays has been more utilized uh, you would probably find microplastic. I wouldn't be surprised.
2: So, I was looking at your Instagram page and um, mm-hmm. the presentation, I mean, it's so artistic. You need to go onto their Instagram. It's 12 Chairs Dubai. I saw um, what looked like a macaroon with caviar mm-hmm. filled in it. Is that really a macaroon?
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> that, how is that combination possible? Does it work?
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the objectives of uh, 12 Chairs, we always said we don't want to be um, a caviar bar from an airport where you serve in caviar and greens. Yeah. And we always believe that uh, our style is caviar and medlands because we start experimenting it with everything. So mm-hmm. the menu literally is very uh, interesting in terms of the different combinations. We have an ice cream, a vanilla ice cream with caviar that is one of the favorites Mm -hmm. um, on the menu. Uh, We do combinations that go with melon, combinations that go with uh, fried chicken, uh, and one of them is a macaroon. So towards the end, obviously it spoils a bit the fun because it's one of the last dishes, uh, but the macaroon with caviar works very well because, again, the caviar that we are uh, presenting, we do um, work with brands that are very famous for their First of all, their sustainable side, yeah. but also for their unusual flavors. They usually have less uh, salt content. They also uh, non pasteurized So that doesn't change a lot the egg flavor. So they don't tend to be super salty. Some of them have really nut fla- nutty flavors. Others because of the fish growing in the river mouth and there's a little bit of mud on those waters. They have more of a mushroom and earthy note to it. So all the different uh, caviar we, we present have something special about them. And a lot of them work very well with desserts. We do a, a choux, uh pata with caramel and the caviar. So that plays again with the almond. Uh, some play very well with the hazelnut. So actually it works so well with desserts that uh, some people, when they join for, for dinner, they quite surprised with the yeah. usual style.
2: I've never seen it with with a, a dessert before. That's quite, quite surprising. Now, Caviar is an acquired taste. It's not something the Mm -hmm. average person has even tried, let alone go out for and eat every week. So what kind of clientele come and eat there? Are they people who've grown up with caviar? Is it people who are quite adventurous when it comes to trying new food? Or is it just very, very, very rich people? Who are they?
0: Um, it's, I, I think it would be a mix. I mean, we find a mix of everyone. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, I don't think very, very rich. I think people that are looking for an experience and yeah. something unusual, uh, they heard about it, they want to come and experiment and they end up really learning a bit more about caviar. That's the first thing that we always try to make sure that people understand there's so many different variances.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, second of all, it's experimenting. And we always say that Although it's a caviar bar, the caviar is not the highlight of the the food. Is what adds a little bit something to it. Mm. So it's almost like the pinch of salt in it. Uh, we try not to put an amount of caviar where uh, the prices go up like crazy. Uh, but I think the experience overall, uh, it's worth. The money spent, obviously, depending on how much people want to spend on a meal. Um, so you find any kind of clientele. I mean, we've we've had people that really are uh, adventurous, people that know caviar and they want to just experiment what we're doing. And some people just curious come for a bite because it's not necessarily you have to have the tasting menu. You can literally come for a bite and then you go and try car or you come and try filia. So it's kind of almost a, a, a pre-dinner bite uh, for a drink. And then you go and enjoy the, our other restaurants.
2: So I I was doing some fun facts on caviar and it did say that the ancient Greeks and Romans swore that it cured depression. And I do know it has a lot of health benefits, doesn't it? Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it it has a lot of different minerals, which are quite uh, unique. You can find them elsewhere, uh, but because of their concentration um, can be very beneficial. Um, I don't know if it can cure depression, um, I it I try caviar a, a lot. I never. I don't feel depressed, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I'm the most. So uh,
2: that's why you're not depressed, <laughs> chef, because you keep eating caviar. There you go. Sure. This
0: might be the case. <laughs> might be the
2: case. No, it has it's, a lot, lot of Amiga, it has a lot of <laughs> omega three, so that really actually does help the fish oils there. For and sure. it is. How much for caviar sure. do you eat today? And how much should you be eating a day on average?
0: I mean, I don't know what what's the average. I don't eat uh, a lot. I mean, when we do tastings, we try a lot of caviar. People try to sell us caviar, and that's mm. been all my life as a chef. Uh, it's always been one of those products where um, there is a market for it, right? So you end up trying different styles, and different people come and bring it to you. So I've tried uh, a lot more recently with uh, 12 Chairs. Um, But most of the times I just uh, take like five grams, maybe a day, 10 grams, just to kind of compare what we are working on and what we are uh, presenting to our guests. But uh, I don't go too crazy.
2: Well, I think you're having your daily nutrients and minerals with just those (laughs) little tastes. That's why you're probably so healthy. I also heard that you're not supposed to serve caviar with a metal spoon because it affects the flavor. What what do you Mm -hmm. serve it with?
0: So we use um, different materials, like uh, sometimes it's Mother Pearl, uh, but definitely we don't use uh, metal um, mm-hmm. because of the oxidation. It really changes uh, the final note on the caviar. Mm-hmm. But what we usually do, which is the fun, obviously Mother Pearl is the more common one, but we start our experience by serving it like everyone in a kitchen tries their caviar uh, because Mother, Pearl's, Mother Pearl spoons are so expensive. what we do is when you arrive at 12 chairs, we sanitize your the back of your hand, which is the cleanest part of your hand when you're in a kitchen because yeah. it doesn't touch the surfaces. Yeah. So we sanitize it with a little bit of a vodka that's been infused with a dry um, caviar. So mm-hmm. it doesn't change the the flavor profile. There's no smell. And we serve it on the back of your hand. So you eat it from the back of your hand, just like if you were in a tasting of caviar in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, so that is how the experiment uh, starts. So people are a bit... Uh, Uh, weird in the beginning but they understand the concept and and then the the full experience is almost you try and cover in the back of your hand and some of them you try in a mother pearl. Wow.
2: Well, I mean, it's an experience in itself. I'll try and get 11 (laughs) friends and we'll come and find you and sit on those 12 chairs. And where can can we find you if you want to come and try this?
0: Well, we are in SLS. Um, SLS, I think, nowadays in Dubai, most of the people know where we are but we are in the... um, and financial district uh, and um, or close to the financial district uh and uh, Mazari drive so it's um, it's quite easy to find sometimes you have to just predict a bit with the traffic can be difficult sometimes with traffic but uh yeah, that's where we are, 71st floor at uh, SLS.
2: Okay, well, Chef, I cannot afford having those milligrams of uh, caviar every day, so I'm going to go home and take my Omega-3 tablet from the pharmacy, okay? Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Sounds us. Take care. Not a problem. Bye-bye. Thank you so You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
1: Only on Dubai Eye 103.8.
2: Farmer's Kitchen is live every Friday from 2 to 5 p.m.